Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Chrissy here from CS2. Today, I have our guest, Kamala Thompson. She's the VP of Marketing at Caliber Mine, and we're going to be talking about how to basically support your CMO and get them the reports that they need to be successful and show their success and how to have that alignment between, and this could be anyone, someone in MOPS who's building that reporting structure or someone who's in like a demand gen role or marketing role supporting their leadership, but basically so that you're armed with the insights that you need to basically help them keep their job. Um, CMOs are under a lot of scrutiny um, to basically show that they're improving their marketing, but sometimes also prove their marketing, which can be a bit of a struggle. So Kamala's going to help dive into that and how to do that the best way. So thanks for being on the podcast, Kamala. Thanks for having me, Chrissy. I really appreciate it. Cool. So before we dive into it, um, I wanted to just get a brief background for our listeners about about yourself and how you got to where you are today in um, B2B tech SaaS world, um, working in marketing. You know, I, uh, like a lot of your guests, have had an unusual path. So uh, being based in Seattle, tech is the norm. So tech was the natural choice. However, I started out in operations. So I spent 15 years spanning what's revenue operations today before it was revenue operations. So I've been in marketing ops, sales ops, and customer success ops, and then a blend of those. So um, last couple of years, I noticed I was getting burned out really frequently, and it's because I had really high expectations of myself as somebody in operations and needed to change up my career a bit. So I went into copywriting and with the combined knowledge of all of those things, landing at an attribution company primarily really set me up for that VP of marketing role eventually. So it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like having that background in operations has made you a better marketer? I think a lot of the yes. times we, um, we, we say it's hard to distinguish the difference between like operations and like marketing strategy, like you can't ha- really have one without the other. Yes. Um, what do you think has been like the edge that's helped you move into more of like a leader of marketing with your operations role? That is such a great question. I think what really differentiates me and has, I feel really lucky to have a background in is understanding the data and mm-hmm. what is what can be an exact measurement and what can't be. And as we know in marketing, a lot of times it's not an exact science and I can communicate that to my executive team and set the proper expectations. I think that's, that's pretty unique. I've worked with a lot of leaders who are very brilliant when it comes to branding and strategy, but uh, over communicate certain aspects of their reports and, and kind of step into it. Now, that's interesting. I mean, that's a good segue into what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I want to start out with just what do you think is, and this might relate to what you just said, but what do you think is kind of one thing that you see marketing leaders uh, doing wrong when it comes to their reporting? 
so, and I have to be careful of phrasing because it's usually not intentional. I've only seen a couple cases where people have kind of fudged their numbers and changed like the dimensions on their charts to look a little better. But the mm-hmm. vast majority of the time, it's using language that the rest of the business uses incorrectly. Mm. And that's something can like- you, Can you give an example of that? Absolutely. Return on investment is a big one. Um, productivity. There's a lot of words that are used really frequently in the executive meetings Mm. that have a different meaning than how we typically use them in marketing. Right. So if I talk about productivity or return on investment, I mean something completely different than what the CFO means. And knowing that I can discuss it differently and talk about return on marketing investment or um, kind of position return on ad spend differently than true ROI. And I think in operations, it's not totally our responsibility, but we could be doing a better job of setting up our, ex- our executives with the proper language foundations and knowledge about where our data is coming from. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, what, so when it comes to setting up the, the language, but also the kind of like framework for the leaders for their like reporting what do you think is like a how do you how would you start doing that like how what would be a good what are what's kind of like the foundation you need in order to even like do that because I think for for some folks like it might take a lot of education but they're not sure how to do that in the right way and also it requires having like a a certain set of reporting that like the leaders really understand and feel comfortable going into the boardroom with like what's been successful for you to in order to enable them to do that I think asking tons of questions and not coming from a place of um come from a place of humility so mm. I think it's really important to state clearly what you know and what you don't know and sometimes you don't know what you don't know And it should be on the marketing leader's shoulders to communicate what they actually mean when they're asking for certain things. So as a marketing leader, I understand, fortunately, that when I'm asking people if marketing's working, Mm -hmm. I have to make that very specific. So that's such a broad statement. And Mm -hmm. I can't just go to them and say, is marketing working? If I'm concerned specifically about whether or not our advertising budget is uh, resulting in revenue, that's what I need to communicate to them. But ideally, the operations professional will come to me and say, hey, that's a really broad statement. I don't know what you meant by that. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, maybe talking to the other departments. When I was in an operations, I became really good friends with the financial analysts and other people across departments so that I could ask them questions about what they were reporting to the business. I wasn't just focused on my slides in the deck. I was looking at other slides and trying to figure out where language was overlapping and whether or not that made sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you feel like there's like relationship building that you have to do too in order to actually like facilitate that relationship? Like how, do you have any advice on how to do that the right way? I think, cause for some folks, depending on the size of their team and who has access to the data, it might be someone in operations 
it might be someone in marketing, but sometimes that like relationship isn't naturally there. And so what happens is the CMO just like waits till the end of the quarter and then goes, okay, guys, I need this report, this report, this report, this report, this report. And then never once like let, and then those teams scramble. Right. And they're like, Oh no, we can't report on that. Like, you know, so I think a lot of that has to do with kind of like having a cadence of reporting and a really like kind of like a framework. But I think sometimes that requires also the relationship that they're not just like an order taking function, but really can build like a framework. What do you think needs to be done in order to like get into that position? I think that's such a great question. And I think it's kind of multifaceted. So one, there needs to be a relationship between the CMO and the marketing ops team that's very close. Like the CMO needs to recognize that whether or not they scale gracefully is completely dependent on their marketing operations team. Mm -hmm. They need to recognize that and keep them apprised throughout the quarter and vice versa. So if I'm asking for specific reports because I'm, I'm seeing or sensing things are off and things aren't going well, I need to bring that up to my marketing operations person sooner rather than later. So they have time to work Mm -hmm. with the people they need to work with in order to get that information. I shouldn't expect them to turn around at the end of the quarter on the last day. All of these things that I'm suspecting throughout the quarter, I need to be communicating with them and saying, Hey, we're behind on pipeline generation. Can you look at previous quarters and which channels aren't producing as much. And then that gives me more time as a marketer to build a get well plan or even react before uh, it's truly a reaction to proactively start pulling some levers when I'm seeing those numbers start to dip rather than at the end of the quarter when I've completely swung and miss and I'm in trouble. So I think a lot of that is on the leadership team Um, If your marketing leader doesn't recognize how critical you are to the team, I think it's time to start reevaluating things. Yeah. I I just, I think if you have a leader who doesn't understand data, um, it's just a matter of time before you get a new leader. So maybe it's worth waiting out something, but also (laughs) this is really a, uh, I want to say buyer's market. So Mm -hmm. people are leaving work in droves and there's a ton of open positions. Mm -hmm. Really interview your executive team to see how they value and position operations. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, and you see this too, like people are moving around and I I mean, we've been talking about this at CS2 for years. Charlie and I were looking back at posts we did when we had like a, you know, we're just coming up in a small following. We're talking about how important marketing operations is. And, you know, sometimes they don't, it's very misunderstood and they're not getting the, you know, the credit that they deserve. And I think with a lot of what, with a lot of those messages now, like on more of a forefront. And I think after COVID, when some, groups like lost certain channels and had to pivot like super fast. They also really felt that like, Oh, marketing operation. Like how, how do we pivot? Where can we reinvest these dollars that we're actually going to go here? And with, and not, and having to rely on digital interactions to like keep their business afloat. Um, the companies 
had to learn fast, like, oh, marketing operations can actually help us with a lot of this. Yeah. Um, and so I think that 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 mixed with a lot of different things, like put more of a focus on that. Mm-hmm. And I think we have a very, I think a lot of people also, it's, it's a tough job. So it's not like a very typical career path. Like you, you said too, you know, you're looking for a change and you wanted to move in more of a marketing, but you don't really escape marketing ups at any point. Marketing ups is no. essential to all of marketing, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's going to become more the norm. I'm hoping we're going to see more operations people move into marketing leadership positions. Now it does yeah. take a little bit of you know, wandering and and flexing your muscles in some creative areas to prove that you can also be creative. So fair enough. Uh, I always say that marketing is a mixture of art and science. Um, But I'm thinking because so much of what we do is digital now and the perception is measurable, which we know isn't always the truth, but the perception is it's very measurable. Marketing leaders are being held more accountable than ever. I don't think the board is going to be tolerant anymore of marketers who lead by gut. So it's going to be absolutely essential. Like if, if you're a marketing leader and you're not data minded, make a relationship with your operations team and, and put them on a pedestal. Like let them know how important they are. If you are data minded, great, but you're still going to mar- need to like pair really closely with your operations team because I think we understand now if things aren't instrumented correctly and leads aren't being passed and measured, you're not going to last very long in your position. I mean, tenure is totally. just going down. Yeah. The average tenure of the CMO, I think this from a report from like last year was like two and a half years. That's not Yeah. And I've seen 18 months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my joke is always, we'll see if I'm here in 18 months. <laughs> um, I bet you will. Um, and, <laughs> unless you decide to move on from your, for your own thing. But um, the, yeah, I, I think I, I love that you're kind of talking about the importance of the CMO also taking the chance to like build that relationship and create that and, and have the marketing ops team on their side. Mm-hmm. I think I, I still come up uh, up against people that are more coming up the traditional marketing path. And they're just mm-hmm. like, no one, no one in the company like really cares or values marketing ops. And I heard that like last week and I'm like, really still like I can't I, believe still that's happening like it just boggles my mind so they um, still I'm exist like, yeah it, but you have the opportunity now in marketing operations to go somewhere where you are valued because totally. plenty of us do value you <laughs> <laughs> it's well yeah it's one of the reason why I'm like well if any you know here at CS2 like we value ops obviously we're an agency for it but yes. um the the companies that work with us that are investing in it also I think um, value it too so it, it creates more opportunity there for like what you can do and um, how you can partner with them but anyway yeah. moving on I I, I think well, I wanted to oh go ahead I would say one thing really qu- quickly like yeah. for those more traditional marketers who are super creative if you are not putting the structure in place to measure what you're doing you're not working efficiently and you're not going to keep your job. So I would really challenge people in that leadership position to really do some deep reflection and think about their mindset. Yeah, actually. Well, that's a good point. So what do you think? um, Because this comes down to having also just some bad reporting or setting unrealistic goals, because that was one thing that I think happens too. And I think part of that is because 
Um, and also just not having goals, <laughs> I think is, yeah. is a, a symptom too. I think it's like, how can you, um, you know, build a structure of reporting when you're not really sure what you should be reporting on. Yeah. Um, and so going in with like these vanity things like, oh, we have, you know, this and this and talking more about your campaign ideas rather than the results is like a big big impact from that. But for some more creative marketers who are more focused on, on maybe like really great at building the brand, really good at creating campaign ideas and, and making a splash and, um, all those things are super important, but maybe don't really understand how to show the effectiveness or data like minded. Do you think there's any places that they can go without like just going straight to the marketing ops team, but any like, um, resources that they can uh, look into or or listen to or anything that can like push them to become more like data minded? Yeah, I mean, they should be listening to this podcast and maybe the <laughs> revenue marketing report as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, figuring out a framework for how to measure whether or not what mm -hmm. you're doing is working is just a Google search away. There are totally. so many great resources out there. And my team, I'm fortunate because I've kind of been very deeply in the weeds, but I expect the different members of my team to be looking at certain metrics in their tools. They are mm -hmm. the same metrics that I roll up to the board. When it comes to reporting to the board, I am mostly interested in pipeline and revenue generation. And we're looking yes. at the top line. I'm very fortunate that I work for an attribution company. So <laughs> it's easy to use attribution as a directional indicator of whether or not marketing is contributing at least 50% to pipeline and revenue. Now, I say directionally, being somebody who's at an attribution company, because I feel that there's a lot of things that are very difficult to measure and aren't going to be reflected. Yeah. So we can't, we don't have a chip installed in our prospects' brains that tell us how they heard about us and what the most influential touches were. And that's okay. Uh, we need to set that expectation. It doesn't mean the things that are hard to measure aren't worth doing. So I guess what I would say is each functional expert needs to be looking at different points to measure whether or not what they're doing is working. So the early indicators are probably going to be in the tool they're using to do whatever they're doing. They need to make sure that that tool is integrated as much as possible. They're able to track back to campaigns, opportunities, and then pipeline and revenue. If you're in a function that doesn't tie directly, so let's say we're talking about web ops or your content team and you don't have gated content, which I think is kind of dying out. Uh, you need to have a web tracker enabled. You need to have them in their tool looking at bounce rates, time on page. Like all of these pieces are still really important. We're not, we're just not going to report them all up to the board. So I wouldn't call them vanity metrics. I would call them helpful directional indicators that yeah. we need to use early on. And then we should ultimately be looking at multi-touch touch attribution and direct sourcing, you know, a few different data points to figure out whether or not the needle's moving in the right direction. Because even if you can prove that all the people on your page are, are visiting and people are flocking, if you're not generating pipeline and revenue, it doesn't matter. You're still probably totally. going to lose your job. <laughs> totally. Yeah. We have like a framework that we use at CS2. And I think from 
from a marketing um, kind of reporting structure. And, and this, to your point, like it's more around, around how the marketing team is using their metrics to like improve their marketing or get insights into like what's working. Um, and a lot of that has to do kind of what you said, like attribution or yes, if you're not getting your content, it doesn't mean you can't measure it. It just might mean you don't see it on a dashboard, you know, or seeing it in different ways. You can maybe track what's driving more of your hand raiser conversions and seeing like maybe what the last, like the driving source was for that. But from a content perspective, you can get some of that, like you said, through tracking and really got a content perspective. You just want to know like what's being consumed the most, like what, you know, like it, you don't have like tying it back to pipeline. Yes. But really like the, that can be tied more down to like a campaign level, but like for, for can't, for content, like that you can be savvy around how you start to measure that. And I, that, I think a lot of marketers just get so caught up in like, okay, all the reporting that we're going to do is being packaged up in this nice, pretty place on a dashboard in Salesforce. And it's like, no, that's not the way that reporting works nowadays. And also don't forcing that function or forcing that to happen is going to like not give you the insights you need anyway. And you're going to miss out. And then that defeats the whole purpose of doing reporting. Yeah. I I Um, mean, I, I feel super fortunate that I work at a company that does (laughs) all of this. So I have reports I can look at by URL that tell me once people identify whether or not the right audience is interacting with my materials, it's super helpful not everybody's going to have that in place from day one. So letting them be in their tool of choice and figure out whether or not something's working is fine. I think as marketing leaders, we have to take a really honest look at whether or not our marketers are data literate and not everybody's going to be, and that's okay. Yeah. We kind of need creative, we need the creative minds, we need the analytical minds. But if we're really honest about it and we're seeing a gap there, we need to hire an analyst who can kind of help them along the way. And that's okay. Like that's normal. Not everybody has both minds. Totally. And I think if you focus on the enablement part too, and, um, really give them a data structure that they can just come back to, but you teach them on it. There's a lot of interesting things you can do as far as enablement for their reporting to make it so that you don't, it's more of a proactive activity that they're doing on their own. It will require some more upfront work. Um, We have a podcast about this, like building an analytics framework that um, Allison on our team was on um, where we dive into that. So I highly suggest people go listen to that too. But Mm -hmm. I think the, um, you don't, it doesn't always have to be this like, okay, it's a, it's a report request function. It's like, get ahead of that, be more proactive, build like out a framework and build it in a way that people can be more self-service um, for themselves and self-serving, especially when it's just to get their own insights onto like what they're working on. And truly that is the best way to enable your leadership team to understand yeah. what's happening. So I always feel that if you wait until the end of the quarter to report and look back, you're doing it wrong. Like you yeah. should be using analytics throughout the week, day to figure out what's working, what isn't, tweak it, improve it, move on. Um, totally. But at the end of the quarter, the... Well, first of all, the leader should kind of already have an idea of what's happening, what's going wrong, what's going right. But they should also be able to go to their team members and say, hey, give me the story behind this, because I know Mm -hmm. I see this number. Why? Like, which department member should I talk to to figure out what we need to improve? 
Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then so uh, going back to what I said for, for CSG, we have like the reporting that marketers can use, but then also you, you make a good point. It's like, okay, what, what's actually makes sense for the CMO and for like mm-hmm. the board. And that's really around pipeline revenue. Um, and you know, essentially revenues, like the win rate, we call it kind of like tracking, like win rate, um, mm-hmm. and velocity of that can even be explored, but really it comes down to just pipeline and, um, revenue. Um, and the, I think we try, I, everything that we do is basically like all trying to do that. Like what's our end goal at like a growing company? More revenue. It's just re- more revenue, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, like, let's not like you know overcomplicate things. That is the end goal by any means necessary, right? Um, but then also taking a look because I think sometimes also people focus on pipeline. And yes, you might be generating a ton of pipeline, but what if none of that is is converting to revenue? Um, so looking at win rate or looking at what those conversion rates look like and, and being more proactive on that, like earlier, like you said, like having, waiting until the end of the quarter doesn't work. Um, one of the best structures that I had, and I'm sure you do this now too, with your team. And now that you have your reporting in front of you, but we took like, and at that time we were in a very like growth stage and I was leading, I always had the benefit of as I was leading demand gen as, as well as, um, operations. And so I built my own reporting and, uh, but I also brought in people from the different functions that help touch pipelines. So from SDR to field marketing to partner, mm-hmm. um, and then to myself and then someone on the PR and brand side and every Friday, not saying everyone has to do this every Friday, but, we reviewed, we looked at our um, pipeline generation for the different teams and by region. So, and then how we were tracking against our goals. And we dove into what was doing well, but also where we saw in the future we were failing, like even a few quarters out, oh, it looks Mm -hmm. like we're not meeting like where we thought we should be. Okay, how do we tackle that? And we all yeah. like would powwow and then leave with actions and then come back to the next meeting with like what we did to solve that. And that's a, a very proactive approach instead of just like always waiting to the end of the quarter and trying to make changes because it like it just helps you get into this more iterative approach and it feels like less daunting. But also, it just creates this alignment of all the teams working together to really drive. Um, revenue to close, but also um, pipeline to be created. So it just created a more of like a, and it made those functions more data literate. Cause at the time when I was showing the data, they could just come back to that dashboard and they felt confident on how they should look at it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, tons of great points there. I really like that. And weekly cadence is a must and it doesn't matter what day you do it, but just make it consistent. Um, one thing I would say going back to pipeline and revenue, that is the ideal, but I think it's important to recognize there are some businesses with board members and executive teams who are still in that volume mindset where they're pushing for leads and MQLs. Mm -hmm. I think as a marketing leader, that doesn't mean you should necessarily run away from the organization, but there are going to be a lot of opportunities for coaching the rest of the team on why volume matters less than conversion rates and efficiency. So I just want to acknowledge that some people are going to be kind of stuck 
in that Mm -hmm. mindset and they're going to need to report on those things. But you're going to have a lot of opportunities to say, okay, our MQL number is down because we pulled back these inefficient sources and we put them in nurture tracks Mm -hmm. and we saw pipeline conversion and revenue close rates go up. And here's, here's why. So just want to acknowledge that. Yeah. I'm actually happy you said that because on that same area that we talk about the metrics that, that could also be used for like CMO is like, we literally will, we include conversion rates and velocity. So nowhere on that will it say volume, but it'll look at like revenue pipeline and basically win rate, revenue pipeline, conversion rates, and then velocity. And so no matter even if you have like volume goals, you still have the teams focusing on the right metrics that's really going to like matter most. Because to your point, if we're focusing on conversion rates, it doesn't matter if we change our scoring model. It doesn't matter if we just decide, okay, we're going to send demo requests to sale, but everything else is going to be nurtured. Because what's likely to happen is your conversion rate is going to go up. And so I think, and then you still get some early indicators as well. So for companies that are maybe like just getting started and they're like, well, we don't have a huge pipeline um, Mm -hmm. that we can report on, um, but we're getting to that. We're just starting our marketing effort. So looking at that or those early conversion rates through your funnel can at least give you some additional things to look back on. Yeah. And I think um, it's really important not to throw out qualitative data too. So if you are seeing an issue with pipeline and revenue and you feel like you're doing all the things correctly, get a third party to come in and do win-loss opportunity interviews. Like there's, there's a lot of things that we can learn. Um, Like don't hide a bad quarter, use it as an opportunity to improve. Totally. I love that you said that because I think qualitative metrics is, is, um, and also like self-reported attribution or some things that we talk about too. Like, it's funny, we report, uh, I think it was like episode three or something. And we were talking about, um, you know, use your sales team to try and gather, um, some self-reported attribution, ask them how they heard about you. What was the reason why they drove the deal? And, uh, and now that's getting more, um, pickup. I think, um, Chris Walker from Refine Labs, he talks about, you know, adding a pick list to your forms that said, um, and sorry, a free form field, not yeah, a I was going to say it's because free someone, text. Uh, yeah. so because we don't want someone to select something, um, yeah. just at the top of the list, but give them a chance to self-report how they heard about you and using some of that qualitative data mixed with, what you have, I think is useful, but to your point too, on the other side, so not just on the front end of the, um, uh, lead generation side, but more around, like, if you lost a deal, yeah, don't shy away from that. Like try and do some analysis. Um, and that will give you insights into maybe how to make your sales process better, your customer experience better. Um, and so, um, and you can even do that yourself. Like I, I, sometimes I like, I want that company to ask me because I'll, I'll sometimes have a horrible experience and I'm yeah. like, they basically lost this deal because I didn't hear from them for like a week. I would want to know? know that. I would yeah. absolutely <laughs> want to know that. And that's why I suggest doing both. So I totally agree with Chris and the free form field. I think you still need attribution. Totally. I think there's a lot of pieces you need in place. Um, yeah. But yeah, don't forget to go back to people after the deal is won or lost and get feedback. Totally. Yeah. 
Um, I love this conversation so far. I feel like I, <laughs> I we could keep going. We could keep going forever. But um, one of the things I I wanted to kind of um to end with is kind of what we're talking about here is um. You said that there's some things that are a little bit harder to track or you just can't track. And so sometimes that's also, I think, a key education point because for some leaders who aren't data literate and everyone just thinks, oh, we can track what everything we're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, like how, and we'll take this as two approach. Let's first talk about the things that like, if you do have a good reporting structure, but you know, there's some things that are a bit hard to report on or you, you can't really report on it, um, how would how do you educate them and what are some of the like channels or or things that you think are a bit harder to to like track in a traditional manner that most leaders like don't really realize yeah so it's one of the things i also really um made sure to address when i came on to caliber mine is we talk really honestly about what we can and can't track because trust is everything And I think a lot of vendors have really oversold their capabilities and kind of positioned Mm -hmm. attribution as a silver bullet. So it's a pretty divisive topic because of that. And there's a lot of people who are upset. And I just want to acknowledge that that's true. So some of the challenges that um, you're going to run into, and I also see people advising not to do things you can't track. Don't listen oh to my that. Gosh. Just do yeah. what works. <laughs> so the things that are hard to track, for example, podcasting, totally. especially for B2B. When you have B2C companies that can offer a rebate and have a code, mm-hmm. it's a little easier to track. But with B2B, pretty much impossible. Um, word of mouth is always going to be so critical to marketing, but I challenge mm-hmm. you to measure it. Like It's just <laughs> really difficult to do. Organic search is always going to be overstated because you're going to have a lot of people who are interacting with you on social and seeing advertisements and not clicking on them and then searching directly for your brand name or something similar. So Mm -hmm. I think, though, there are ways we can test and measure those things. So, like, first of all, with the organic search piece, look at how many people are searching for your brand name. And then think through the different ways that you're advertising and they could hear about you and whether or not you've made any changes in your advertising. So if you're layering on retargeting and you see a big spike in brand name searches, you can make Mm. a correlation. Like it doesn't mean you can't do correlations and say, we had spikes here, here, and here, and these are the reasons we think this happened. You can still measure it. It's just going to be a little bit of guesswork and that's okay. Totally. Be okay with that. Um, I think I love others- that. I love that one extra resource if people are interested in that. Like I'm a fangirl of, of uh, Rand Fishkin, and he has a whole blog post on implied attribution and like yep. dives into how you can do those correlations. So definitely go check that out. Sorry, keep going. No, that's fantastic. <laughs> I, I love resources. Um, then uh, word of mouth. So. Another thing I highly recommend doing is enabling your sales team to say where the person said they heard about you. Yeah. Uh, And sometimes that has to be some kind of free text field because they don't know how to associate a campaign with a contact. That's okay. Like if, if you have an analyst who can go through the data and kind of help stitch together some of those things, even better. So I think it's really important to involve your sales team if you're a small company 
you have no excuse not to do that. Like your totally. sales team, you should be getting feedback on how messaging is landing and all of these other things in addition to where people are finding you. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's ways to close some of those big gaps. Yeah. And I think that we are in mar- as in mar- as marketers or marketing teams are always so afraid to like ask prospects for details it's like so conflicting we we want to get them to fill out forms for shit that we should be giving away but then like by the time we get their attention we're like oh let's not ask them how they heard about us or let's not talk like let's not make them fill out a bunch of fields it's like well what about if you want to make their demo process better maybe do use that time on that one form that they may have to fill out to ask them more information Or, you know, also I think you stroke their ego a little bit when you do try and get to know them. Like, how did you hear about us? Like, what Mm -hmm. made you, you know, those type of questions don't bother the prospect. If anything, I think they enjoy it because like you, they, they're, you're really trying to understand them and their sales process. And part of that does help you. Yes, but and it's also a really good icebreaker. I think like being even if you have the SDR upfront doing that, like that can be something that you just like say, okay, this is your icebreaker. Start out with these first few questions and gather those insights, and at least you get the conversation going, and then you can, you know, qualify from there or jump into your demo, whatever part of your sales process is. And I so so much about this is building relationships, and everybody is in sales. The point, if there's one point I want people to walk away with, it's that if you tell the sales team why you need to do something, you're much more likely to have them cooperate. So if the podcast is instrumental to your business, let the sales team know that it's at risk of being discontinued because the executive team can't measure what's happening there. And you're going to see a big change in behavior because of that, because everybody wants their job to be easier. And if that makes their job easier, they'll help you out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Okay, my last thing I wanted to touch on, um, and I have a few opinions on this, but what are some like kind of also ex- external things or things that like you should make note of or even educate your teams when it comes to um what to look out for from or, or setting expectations so a few things that come to mind for me is um i when i had this conversation with um another dimension agency owner and like they were talking about how still like they have these freak out moments in december with their clients where they're like oh my gosh everything's down Like our, we're all, you know, no one's coming to our website or our ads are performing poorly. And it's like, it's December, you know, like it's Christmas time. No one is like, people are focused on their family. They're not looking for, you know, B2B tech. Um, But then there's other things, like you say, for the podcast um, from a, you know, brand perspective, like maybe even around time, like what are some of those things you've had to learn or you have learned Um, as an education point is like, okay, this looks maybe bad, but it's actually not bad. You need to keep going or there's a reason for it. And I think, um, I think data needs to be approached from a storytelling perspective. Okay, good. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Yeah. I think context is everything. So Mm -hmm. 
instead of just showing one year of data, show two, because that helps you account for seasonality. So you can say, well, we're still up 150% over last year or 50% or whatever the number is. And then we Mm -hmm. can get a little bit more comfort from the team. So show two years of data um, and then work throughout the quarter to get the story behind what's happening. So if Mm -hmm. as an executive, uh, you should have a weekly review of your numbers, at least, Use that as an opportunity to start asking questions early and get educated about why. Mm-hmm. That equips you to make decisions on how to fix it, how to change it, and how to communicate it. Totally. I feel like that's a good that's a good mic drop moment there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am glad I at least gave you one. <laughs> All of this was amazing. I think this is such good um, actionable advice basically for like anyone in marketing because I think, and I love your approach too. I think you're, I'm glad that you're on this podcast because it's like a more forward thinking approach and very aligns to um, addressing some of the confusion and and some of the mistakes I think a lot of people do with their um, analytics and their reporting. And I think Um, It doesn't have to be such a monumental feat to actually do what really matters and what's going to really, you know, move the needle. Mm -hmm. Um, And also just getting, it solves some of those problems too around the alignment issue or pulling in your ops people early in the strategy decisions um, and having that relationship with the CMO and why that's so important. So um, thank you so much for all of your insights today, Kamala. I, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I love talking about this kind of stuff. So if people want to connect with me on LinkedIn, would love to discuss. Yeah, we'll be sharing Kamala's, um, the link to uh, her LinkedIn in the description. And then can you also um, just quickly pitch uh, the uh, your podcast? Because I know I was on your podcast recently where you interviewed me. Uh, Which was so one of our most list- popular episodes, I will point out. Oh, nice. Awesome. So... With my background in operations, I'm extremely passionate about uh, positioning operations folks for career growth. So the Revenue Marketing Report has a lot of great content on building soft skills, really thinking about analytics in a way that makes sense, and data storytelling. So check us out. Thank you for that opportunity. Yeah, awesome. Well, if you enjoyed uh, today's episode, feel free to share it with your colleagues and friends or leave a review. And we'll see you on the next episode of Forward Thinking. Have a good one. Hey.